The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! And this game's underway. Into the wind of it is first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my so God. Deep to right field. Way up there. High, oh, high. And look who's coming up. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Here's the payoff pitch. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to Payoff Pitch, Action Network's MLB betting podcast. We are presented by BetMGM. It is Tuesday, October 10th. You are in the right place if you are looking forward to ALDS Game 3s this evening. Brendan Glasheen in the host chair with Sean Zarillo and Anthony DeBundo, our normal Tuesday crew from the regular season. At 4 o'clock this afternoon, Eastern Time, we've got the Astros and the Twins, series tied 1-1. And then tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern, Orioles-Rangers. And Texas has a chance to wrap this up. We'll also do a quick look ahead to tomorrow's Game 3s in the National League. And if Zerillo and DeBundo have any looks, please leave a 5-star rating and review if you haven't done so already. We had a contest winner yesterday, Mark. Uh, we'll pick some favorites throughout the course of the week. And if you are selected, you will be eligible for a free one-year subscription to Action Pro. So please leave us a review and a five-star rating. We appreciate it. Okay, so Zarilla, looking at uh, this afternoon, four o'clock start, Christian Javier, Sonny Gray, the pitching matchup. Astros plus 115 on the money line. Twins minus 135. Totals at eight. You did give out a play yesterday and I'm forgetting what it is. So tell me if it still works for today. Yeah, you know, I originally bet the Astros money line at plus 122, but after digging deeper into Sonny Gray, Christian Javier, the weather, uh, how I think the game might play out today, I actually ended up jumping off of Houston because I now project Minnesota at minus 127. So I bought out of that bet. The line had moved our direction, so you should have been able to get your full amount back on a cash-out value where we bet it. That said, I am now on the under in this game, and I projected this total closer to 7.6 runs, so I like the under 8 up to about minus 105. You could maybe even take it to minus 110. Target field normally plays about 3% below the major league average, so a 97% run environment. Today, it should play closer to 90% of the major league average, so about 10% below what your normal run environment would be at an average major league park. So like the under today, I think the biggest discrepancy or the most important important thing in the pitching matchup is the home run rate 
allowed by these two starters, respectively. Yeah. Sonny Gray throughout his career, been one of the best home run suppression guys in all of baseball. Did pitch a lot of his career in Oakland, but also spent some time in Cincinnati and Minnesota, as I said, closer to the league average park. So 0.84 home runs per nine throughout his career for Sonny Gray. 0.39 in 2023. I believe he allowed only eight home runs the entire season. And Christian Javier, well above average in terms of his may or well below average, but well higher than the major league average in terms of his home run rate. 1.33 for his career, 1.39 in 2023. Taking the season long metrics, I view Sonny Gray as the better starter. Christian Javier did pitch much better in September than he did throughout the remainder of the season. In September, Javier, 23% strikeout minus walk rate. He was at 24% last season. So got his level back close to where we expected coming into the year. Still view Sonny Gray, though, as I said, as the better pitcher. 110 pitching plus in September for Sonny. Seemed to be peaking down the stretch. Javier still at a 105 pitching plus. So about a half run better on an ERA projection for Gray. Um, in terms of props... I think you would have to lean to the over 14 and a half outs here for Gray. Uh, he's gone at least five innings in 28 of his 31 starts this season, not including his final start of the season. So that that number did seem a bit low to me. But with the Twins having the off day, going home in a 1-1 series, Rocco Baldelli being aggressive with the bullpen, I wouldn't be surprised if Gray is in trouble in the fifth inning and he gets lifted for a reliever in front of a fully healthy bullpen. So I would lean to the over 14 and a half outs. I think all of the numbers on these outs props have come down after all of the unders cashed in the wild card round. And I do think most of them are now deflated to the point where you need to be taking the overs and betting these starters to go five innings if it is at 14 and a half. So the under, under eight, up to minus one to six, minus 110 even between Twins and Astros. And then I'd lean to the over 14 and a half outs, as I said, for Sonny Gray. Okay, uh, DeBundo, I think you have similar sentiments on Sonny Gray and what he can provide the Twins pitching staff, a staff you've been high on all year. But Sonny Gray is not a guy you've normally brought up. You like him, though, tonight. Yeah, I like the over 14 and a half outs, minus 140. It has come up a little bit overnight, but I'm still okay with it up to minus 140, which is still out there as we record. Uh, you mentioned it, Sean. Like He has gone five pretty consistently throughout his career. And I know that Baldelli is going to be aggressive tonight, but I also think that he has to think about tomorrow because the twins don't really have a clear answer on who's pitching tomorrow. And I think it's going to be a combination of Joe Ryan and, and Kenta Maeda. And, and so essentially a bullpen game ahead of, ahead of uh, game five, which would be Pablo. So I think the twins, you know, are going to expect five from, from gray tonight. Doesn't mean necessarily going to get it, but you talked about it with the home runs. I want to kind of put in the context here, the, the dominance in his home run suppression numbers. The top five in home runs per nine this year, Charlie Morton, 0.77 is fifth. Blake Snell, 0.75 is fourth. Kyle Bradish is 0.74. He's third. Justin Steele, 0.72. He's second. Number one in MLB at 0.39 homers per nine is Sonny Gray. So that just shows you just how good he's been at keeping the ball in the ballpark. And, and that is the, one of the biggest keys um, to being successful in October. So, you know, I think that's a huge advantage. Javier is an interesting case. So if you, you pull up his season long splits uh, from a stuff plus perspective, his fastball is 101 stuff plus right around league average slider is still good, but no real secondary third pitch to rely on. So he's, you know, an average stuff guy with two pitches. It's not very good. And that's why he struggled most of the year. Now, if you start putting some caveats in those numbers, last 30 days, fastball stuff, 106 slider, 112. So a little better. Last 14 days, 
that's where you start to see the jump. Stuff plus on the fastball, 114 for Javier, uh, slider 116. And if you, you know, go as small as just the last start, the numbers are pretty comparable as well. So 117, 119. So the stuff has started to trend up. And then the Astros have thought that it was mechanical, not uh, injury related. Uh, so, you know, maybe they found something, they tweaked it, they fixed it. But the results still haven't been that great from mm-hmm. Javier. I know, like, I backed him a couple times down the stretch and even said on this podcast, like, I'm kind of believing in Javier at this point and that he has turned a corner. But if you look at the the logs, like, the command has not been all that great. And that's led to walks. And then he's given up some inopportune homers. So if you pull up his numbers, uh, his second to last start against Seattle, he couldn't get out of the fifth inning. He had three runs uh, and three walks. So, you know, there are still some concerns. I still don't think he's pitching at the level he was last year. And I still think Gray's the better pitcher. I would lean toward Minnesota. I actually like playing Minnesota on the series price more than the money line today, just because I think they're going to have the pitching advantage in all three of the remaining games in the series, including two of them at home. And you're going to get minus 110. The Astros said that they don't plan to use Justin Verlander in game four uh, on short rest. Now, Dusty may be lying and they may change course on that if they're down 2 one, but I'm guessing it's going to be some combination of JP France and Jose Arquiti to get through game four. And then Verlander will be pitching on extra rest in game five. Pablo will be on regular rest if they need him in game five. He's better than Verlander. I like Joe Ryan and Maeda better than the Astros crew. And I like Gray more than than Javier. So with the better pitching matchup in all three games, uh, Minnesota should be favored to win this series. They're minus 110. I'm going to say that that's the better way to play the Twins right now. If you're not already invested, I know Sean and I are both on the series price pre-series. We love this Minnesota team. It's our Twins. Uh, but I think that the better way to play Minnesota is not today, but for the series uh, in this one. Because they could uh, they could lose today, and I would not count them out. Uh, and if they win today, I think they're in a really, really strong position. So uh, I like Minnesota as always. So we ride. Two more notes I want to make again to the under temperature, 56 degrees at first pitch. We normally do not get playoff games or baseball games this late in the year in Minnesota, and they do not have a roof to close like we do in Texas or Houston. So yeah, the under they again, they did used to, it used to be a fully dome state. <laughs> Probably the last uh, time they had a playoff game at this point was when the roof was there. It might've been back with Kirby Puckett. Yeah. Uh, and the reason we bring up the home run suppression and the, the home run battle, uh, they, I mean, they flash the stat all the time during these postseason games, but I think it's worth reiterating because it's very stark. Teams who win the home run battle in postseason games since 2019 or since 2018 are 137 and 29. They've won these games at an 83% clip. It's very rare that teams win the home run battle and win the game. It's usually getting, or and lose the game, it's usually getting two solo shots, you know, and the other team hit a grand slam and they just get more runs off of the home run or what have you, so... Uh, yeah, home run battle is huge. And this is the biggest difference I've seen in home run rates between starting pitchers so far in these playoffs. I mean, it's it's perfectly evident last night. The Braves had more hits in game one than they did in game two. They had five hits in game one. They didn't score. They had four hits in game two. They scored five runs because two of them were two-run homers that totally swung the game. So, And no, I'm not still salty. But, <laughs> you know, that is kind of the point, right? Like slugging wins. And, and the Blue Jays didn't get an extra base hit in the whole series against Minnesota. Houston, outside of Jordan Alvarez, has not hit for power in this series. It's been all Jordan hitting a home run every at-bat, and and then that's about it. So, you know, I think that uh, when you look at how this matches up, like they just need to pitch around Jordan, and they're going to be okay in this series, I think. Javier outs prop at 12 and a half, and I know he's been hovering around that four and a half innings, five inning number, at least down the stretch. 
Curious. I kind of like Justin the Baker over normally has a bit bit too long the leash with guys. I've uh, yeah. I've had bets on Houston where I want Dusty to pull guys out and he lets them pitch. Uh, Dusty seems to either have complete trust in guys or no trust in guys whatsoever. Him and Chaz McCormick still have a very strange relationship. So I don't know. Uh, I'm going to be perfectly honest. Like I, Javier was one of those props that I just stared at and was like, I have no freaking clue what they're going to do with him. So yeah, he could, he could throw seven shutout innings tonight. He could go once through the order and the Astros turn it over to their bullpen. That's a really tough one to read. I don't know if you have a, a stronger opinion or take on that, Anthony. It's, it's funny. I got a text from somebody this morning. Uh, first glance, how do you feel about Javier over strikeouts, over outs, feels so low. <laughs> And I said, it was if not he, me. If he's, if, he, if he's any good at all, it flies over. But I have no idea what the plan is. Like, what is yeah. the plan? Because the plan might be to use one of France or Akiti behind him or to get Hunter Brown some innings uh, in, in middle relief. So the thing with the Astros is they don't really play them. They don't have any lefties. So they're not playing matchups here, mm-hmm. which, which does make things interesting. Because like as they get deeper into this game with Javier, who's a two-pitch guy, and the Twins have a lot of lefties in that middle of that order. So as they start to come up again, uh, where does Houston go? Because they don't really have like a lefty they can go in in a high leverage spot to go get a big out uh, against Kepler or against Kirloff. So I, I don't know what the plan is. Uh, like, is it going to be Rafael Montero in the in the fifth inning because he has reverse splits? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's that's going to be yeah, a really they love their, question. But they love their knowing Dusty, line. I would lean to the over here just based on history and how he leaves guys in and his trust in people and and uh you know you you don't even need him to pitch the whole fifth inning at 12 and a half you need him to start and record it out in the fifth inning uh which i think is big because you know even in his last start against seattle you know he got into the fourth he was kind of rolling and then he got hit around a little bit that third time through the order and you saw them pull him but he still got 14 outs which is enough to go over the 12 and a half here so yeah i mean i, w- I would certainly play the over or nothing i'm not playing under 12 and a half he would have to get bombed for that to go under so, yeah. Yeah, in the wild card round, the totals for these pitcher props were kind of under or past. And now in the divisional round, they've all sort of moved to the point where they're over or past. They really seem to have gotten knocked down. That, that Zach Wheeler opener last night. Oh, my goodness. 14 and yeah, a half. That, that should have been the best playoff pitcher in the much history of baseball bet. statistically. Yeah, and unlike uh, his fellow Dominican uh, Valdez, he keeps the ball down and gets ground ball outs. This Javier, so many look at the fly ball rate that mm-hmm. has to be alarming when you consider as Demundo said, not going to get those double plays to rack up the outs props. You know, quicker he's got to get fly balls and strikeouts. Yeah, it's it's uh, and don't forget that he was a fireman at the start of last year too. Before they moved him to the rotation, he was so good out of the bullpen, maxing out, going two or three innings. So. If I were Houston, if I were planning out the series strategically, I would tell him to max out to redline as long as he could. And the moment he gets in trouble, he's out of the game. Payoff pitch presented by BetMGM. Use the bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So let's go to Orioles Rangers. So again, that first one's at 4 o'clock Eastern. Keep that in mind, folks. Orioles Rangers, 8 o'clock start tonight. Texas up 2-0. Nathan Evaldi threw a gem to begin this series. He has a chance to close this out tonight for Texas. It's Dean Kramer on the mound for Baltimore. We were wondering, going back to Friday, 
what would the Orioles do if they go down 2-0? We were talking about this a little bit yesterday, DeBundo. Uh, I'll go to Zarillo first. We know it's Kramer. It's Evaldi for Texas. Where are you leaning for a play in this game three? Yeah, it's the first time I bet on Texas in the 2023 playoffs. Maybe the first time they will lose a game because it's the first <laughs> time I bet on Texas in the 2023 playoffs. And every time I seem to bet chalk and get CLV, we end up losing. But Nathan Eovaldi, based on how he looked in his wild card start last Wednesday, I've had to upgrade him relative to that start. Uh, I will just summarize the stats that I listed off my article both last Wednesday and last night. But basically, yes, in the apologies. Evaldi has not pitched yet in this series. He pitched that uh, game in the wild card round. Thank you. Yes, in the wild card round against Tampa Bay. Uh, but, you know, Eovaldi earlier in the year looked tremendous. And I've said, I don't know if he was working with Jacob DeGrom to sharpen up his slider or what, but he looked visually as good as he ever had uh before he went on the il with a forearm strain he had a 100 pitching plus rating 17 percent strikeout minus walk rate a 2.70 ra 3.8 expected fit after coming off of the il his fastball velocity dropped by a full mile an hour his pitching plus went from 100 to 91 his stuff plus went from 103 to 96 so everything continued to indicate that nathan Ivaldi was still hurt trying to pitch down the stretch for a Rangers team looking to make the playoffs after losing two of their biggest starting pitchers, Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, to injury. So it just seemed like Eovaldi was in there to eat innings to try to get Texas over the hump and was really struggling, including in his last start of the regular season. But the one thing I did note, and this should have been a bigger flag for me and ultimately was the point that mattered most in his last regular season start, I believe against the Mariners, where he gave up seven runs. Eovaldi did see his fastball velocity spike again, and it got back up to where it was earlier in the season, even though the results were still very poor. And then he actually maintained that velocity in his last start against Tampa Bay and had much better results. So it appears as though Nathan Eovaldi may be healthy again. I'm not sure if he's 100%, but definitely much closer to 100% than he has been for the past six weeks. And I've had to upgrade him again back to where he was closer to earlier in the season. And if he's going to pitch at that level, he's certainly a better pitcher than Dean Kramer. Kramer, a five ERA or five expected ERA this season, a 414 actual ERA. So he's been a negative regression candidate throughout the year. Subpar pitch modeling metrics. I believe he has a below 100 in terms of his pitch modeling numbers. Uh, and this is the first time I've given Texas a pitching advantage in a game in these playoffs. You know, the Orioles back into the rotation was the big concern and going down 2 nothing. now giving Texas the pitching advantage for games three and four on the road. The only spot I really give Baltimore the advantage in this game is a very slight bullpen edge. And we really haven't even seen that play out in this series. It seems like these bullpens are comparable, if not even Texas having the better relievers, the more effective relievers. But that is the one place on paper I give Baltimore the advantage. Everything else, home field, offense, defense, all points to Texas in this matchup. And it's really even difficult to quantify the advantage to which they have the offensive edge. Um, you know, just looking at splits, Baltimore got much better against lefties than righties throughout the season. Their splits sort of grew. So they're in their lesser split today. Opposite was true for Texas. Their splits got better against righties throughout the season and lesser against lefties. But then there's the Evan Carter factor and this fact that the kid is just won't stop getting on base. He sees eight pitches every at bat in the nine hole for this Rangers lineup. He's a huge X factor. And when you get to the bottom of the lineup as a pitcher, you want those free outs. Evan Carter seems to be the most difficult at bat in their lineup right now. And it's absolute torture before you flip the lineup over to face Marcus Semien and Corey Seager because you can't get through this guy in fewer than eight pitches. So 
yeah, I think, uh, you know, the offensive splits don't even fully capture what Carter is providing to the bottom of that lineup right now and how difficult it is to get through them one through nine. So I made Texas closer to minus 170 for the first five innings today, closer to about minus 150 for the full game. You could bet those up to minus 150 and minus 140 respectively. And uh, we're going to bet Texas for the first time today. And I'll let Anthony, I'll see the the floor to Anthony to talk about Nathan of all these props, but I, I would lean over there as well. Let me let me jump in quick to Bundo. So Evaldi has not faced Baltimore this year. I know it's a different looking Orioles team than the past, but in his career against Baltimore, eight and two record, 90 strikeouts to 28 walks in 18 starts. Dean Kramer faced Texas at the end of May. So not much to work with in terms of a head to head this season. But yeah, your thoughts on Evaldi if he's turned a corner since that wild card start. Yeah, I think we all kind of missed it because it's hard to not look at the stat line and then be like, oh, yeah, he was still bad, right? Like, if you go back to that last regular season start, that is a pretty indicate, pretty strong indicator. They're like, oh, he was still not right. But we, you know, I, we missed it and didn't go through the numbers. Uh, if you just pull up his game log velocity, and I did this in my, my preview for this game, which I wrote on the Action Network app and on the website, uh, it's a pretty strong trend line where the entire season, he started the year at 96, 97 at one point. Uh, 95 and a half first half of the season. And then it dramatically fell off below 94. He went on the injured list, came back, had one spike above 95, but that was when he was only throwing one inning, uh, two innings out of relief. And then it was 93, 93 and a half, 94, 93 and a half. And then his last regular season start 94.8. And then his first start in the playoffs was also very good. So 95 one playoffs. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, he's juiced up for the playoffs He's got that extra juice with him, striking guys out again. Uvalde's always had a home run problem, but he's always been good for strikeouts. And so I think at four and a half plus money is out there. I think that's way too low. Uh, Plus 110 out there right now, four and a half. If he throws five innings, you'd project him to go at least five strikeouts here. So uh, the Rangers also have the advantage of being ahead and they don't need to be as aggressive and pulling Evaldi when necessary. Their bullpen is not great, as you mentioned, Sean, and they're not going to want to overexpose it with a two-game lead. So I think that you could see him throw six innings here, even if he's not great. He gives up a couple of homers, gives up a couple of runs. And Evan Carter, you know, I wrote this in the preview as well. I'm getting like Juan Soto vibes from him. Like the elite plate discipline, the rookie who comes into the middle of the lineup and is hitting. They moved him up to fifth in the last game, which I thought was a really – strong indicator of what they think of him and his plate skills uh, against, you know, the righties uh, of Rodriguez and Bradish. And he's been on base. Uh, Here's the numbers. He has four extra base hits, a home run, six walks and two strikeouts in his first 17 playoff plate appearances. Uh, And, you know, him and and Josh Young being healthy as well has kind of given this offense the spark that it needed because it was kind of teetering down the stretch run uh, and not producing as consistently, but, you know, Heim is back. Young is back. They add Carter and now it's a really tough lineup. So I, I do agree with, with Sean. I lean toward the Rangers. Uh, fun fact, Dean Kramer, this season, if you bet him every start, 24 and eight, he's the most profitable starting pitcher in all of baseball. $100 would return 1457. Uh, however, uh, that is the best mark since 2021. Does anybody want to, Sean, you want to try to guess the pitcher that was the most profitable in 2021 who beat that number? Don't even the say Action that. Network uh, fan favorite. Give me a league. Uh, American. No longer pitches in the American League because he lost his job because he's not very good. Syndergaard? Now pitches, now pitches in the National League. Oh, no. Syndergaard was on the Guardians. Never mind. Now I'm blanking. Chris Flexen. 
2021 mm. with the Seattle Mariners, that luck box run that they had. Uh, so it, it's not really a, an indicator of who's a good pitcher or not, but yeah. he certainly has gotten a lot of run support. Kramer's numbers, like if you look at his pitch modeling, his he's got like three different fastballs, basically fastball, cutter, sinker. Fastball is pretty good. Cutter's decent, but like if you don't have breaking balls or wipe out stuff, like how do you get through a lineup more than twice? Uh, that's That's been his problem. If you look at his splits, like – decent first time through. And then it just kind of falls off from there. And, you know, you talked about the strikeout rate is below average. The chase rate is below average. The zone contact rate is below average. The whiff rate is below average. So there's not like anything in his profile that like jumps off the page. Uh, and I think he's going to struggle in the, against his lineup. So, you know, the, the, the prop is 10 and a half outs. It's the lowest you're you've seen all playoffs. I'm like tempted in principle to go over. Cause you can, you can lock your way into like four innings of like one or two runs before they pull him, but uh, it's an elimination game. Also who comes in behind him, their middle relief has not been good. So I, I think it's a really interesting situation for, for Brandon Hyde to try to manage, but uh, I do like Texas. And I like my favorite bet is the Evaldi strikeout prop over four and a half plus plus one ten. Uh, outs is juiced at 14 and a half. Don't mind that either. Minus minus one fifty two out there. Uh, I think that these numbers have come down way too far. The most profitable pitcher in our action labs database is a good pitcher. Adam Wainwright. So, uh, dating back to 2005, right. Adam Wainwright plus 46.73 for a consistent $100 better, 11.4% ROI. But then the guys behind him are like Chris Tillman, uh, Mark Burley, pretty good, uh, Wei Yin Chen, Herman Marquez. So there's there's some funny names. Herman Marquez, the, uh, most surprise. profitable pitchers in our database. Max, Max Fried is top six. Mm, well, if you backed him last night, you you did win. Quote unquote. Evan John Carter Lester, seven. Clayton Kershaw eighth, Johnny Cueto ninth. There's there's some fun names on here, but then you get like Ivan Nova tenth, you know. So you get you get your Hall of Famers and you get your Ivan Novas mixed in together. It's a uh, it's a funny list to look at. I'm curious who the worst is. Do you have that in front of you? Uh, I do. In terms of money, we're not going by ROI because right. if you go by ROI, you're just going to get the guy who went zero and one uh, and right. lost you a hundred bucks. But in terms of money, the least profitable pitcher ever, Jeff Samarja, minus thirty six twenty four, minus fifteen percent. ROI, Edwin Jackson, Matt King, Chris Archer, Kevin Gaussman. Chris Archer. That was going to be my guess. And uh, the sixth name on this list is a bit concerning because it's Sonny Gray. Uh-huh. It all comes back to that. I mean, it series. just means he's due, Sean. It, it does. It just means <laughs> he's due. Now, Sonny, you know, Sonny pitched on the Oakland A's for a large part of his career and the post-Moneyball Oakland A's teams that were not very good. Uh, he was on the Reds, he I believe, when they bad went in New York the playoffs a couple of years. But yeah, Sonny, Sonny's played on a lot of bad teams throughout his career and has always been considered a good pitcher uh, and probably was a favorite a lot in those starts that the A's were losing for him. So curious to see how his first five line, uh, how his first five performance checks out. I, I think that's a bit more fair and indicative of, you know, how these guys perform relative to market if you just look at their first five performance. Let's look ahead to game threes in the NLDS. Prices are out at BetMGM. I will throw this in quickly. Well, we'll just do the individual games first. But uh, for tomorrow, what we're looking at, we don't have a starter announced for Atlanta. Aaron Nola for the Phillies. Atlanta plus 105. Again, this series is now shifting to Citizens Bank Park in DeBundo's backyard. Aaron Nola and the Phillies minus 125. Totals at nine. That one's at five, just after five Eastern on Wednesday. And then game three, Shifts to Arizona in the Dodgers D-back series. Lance Lynn, 
Brandon Fott, the pitching matchup. Dodgers minus 150 on the money line. Fott and the Diamondbacks plus 125. The Dodgers series price down 2-0. Is it plus 450? Zarillo, you don't have to hit on both of these if you have no looks, but if you want to touch on each of them briefly, and if you have a play that you'd like to give out today, go for it. So my updated series prices, I make the Braves minus 128. There is a plus 128 out there on the Phillies. I'm considering hedging some of my Braves position with Phillies series prices at a break-even number. I do not normally hedge. Uh, I was very adamant coming into the playoffs that I thought the winner of Phillies Braves would win the World Series. And if there is one series in which I'm going to hedge against my Braves tickets, it is this one because I think the Phillies can take them out and Phillies take them out. I think the Phillies are going all the way. So I'm not going to hedge it with Phillies World Series prices or Phillies NL prices. I'm just going to take the straight up series price now at a break even number, maybe a unit, maybe a unit and a half at plus 130. But I need to take something off of my Braves futures because I think the Phillies are very dangerous. Uh, In terms of the game three price, I also projected this at about minus 116. There was a minus 116 last night. I bet that when the rest of the market was at minus 125. Again, want to have a partial hedge if I can get break-even numbers, uh, but don't mind having a bet on the Phillies for game three, considering I'll give them the pitching edge with Aaron Nola, presumably against Bryce Elder. And then the Braves are maybe going to throw AJ Smith-Schauber behind him. Not really sure what the plan is, but that's what I would assume Atlanta is going to be looking to do. But again, taking break-even prices to hedge out of my Braves tickets a little bit, that's the approach I'm taking with Phillies and Braves right now. And then Dodgers and D-backs, I have the Dodgers at minus 158 before the series, have them at plus 130 from before game two. Don't necessarily want to add much more, even (laughs) though I projected the series line at about plus 400, and you can get as high as plus 500 out there currently on LA. So if you don't have any action on the Dodgers yet, I would take them at plus 500 to win the final three games of the series and steal it. Uh, In terms of the game three line, though, I projected Arizona at about plus 120, and that's roughly where the market is. So no value on either side of Dodgers D-backs game three would consider adding more to the Dodgers series price at plus 450 or better. And then I'm probably going to be leaning to both unders in those games. I need to dig a little bit deeper uh, into the recent data for the starting pitchers. Look at the weather for Citizens Bank Park tomorrow. But the Dodgers D-backs total opening up at nine and a half. The Braves Phillies total opening up at nine with both teams likely to be aggressive with their bullpens, those both just seem to touch high to me. Uh, Dodgers going to be aggressive with their bullpen too, down 2-0. So, yeah, uh, the the total seemed high, lean unders. Uh, only bet the Phillies, and as I said, the Dodgers series prices of interest as well. Okay, and that, and that take you have, or that position you just mentioned about Braves-Phillies, that is consistent with what you feared if these teams, DeBundo's talked about this too, if these teams were to meet in a series, which it all lined up, when we found out the bracket, even the days leading up to the postseason, that these teams would face each other in the NLDS. I, you're being consistent with your lack of confidence in that middle part to the back end of the rotation once they get yeah. through um, their top-tier arms. And also the blister issue for Max Freed. You know, they were breaking Talked it up on the broadcast last night, but it's true, like, no the more pitches Freed throws the more it's going to exacerbate the skin on that finger. It's not something that like you rest up and all of a sudden it's better. It's still there. It's still something he's dealing with. And the more curveballs he throws, that's hitting that part of his finger, the more it's going to develop into a blister again. So this may not get better for Backstreet as these playoffs go longer. It may be an issue that he continues to deal with. So yeah, Spencer Strider, really the only guy you can look at confidently 
and know what you're getting from them. Everybody else kind of a mystery right now for Atlanta. The interesting thing from last night is that Frank Corr said this on the broadcast. And I, at first I was like, that sounds counterintuitive, but the way it was pitching makes it seem like it was the case. First of all, he had no confidence in the slider and the slider he did throw was a cement mixer right down the middle that JT hit out of the park, but he was throwing all curveballs the second time through the lineup. He wasn't throwing any fastballs. And they said on the broadcast that the fastball is actually what's causing more irritation. Mm. So it actually concerns me that he went away as the game continued. You know, first inning mm-hmm. he was throwing like 97, 98, juiced up, whatever. That's not his normal fastball. Then he was throwing like more in his normal range, like 94 in the second second and third innings. And then by the third and fourth inning, he almost abandoned the fastball entirely. So, yeah, and he's going to pitch on regular rest in a potential game five against Wheeler. Uh, I would love to bet the Phillies plus 140 again in game five. But uh, if we get there, yeah. this is the game, though, for the Phillies. Like they face Strider in game four. They have still have not hit Spencer Strider this season. And they are going to be up against it if they lose. So this is the kind of the, the game where the Phillies have to win. The pressure shifts. I will be looking for the outs props on this matchup because if we get Bryce Elder higher than 12 and a half, I will be on the under. If we get Aaron Nola higher than 16 and a half, I'll be on the under 15 and a half. I may also be on the under uh, because I think that the Phillies, you know, the way Nola pitched in the wild card round uh, kind of eased concerns about him because he didn't give up any runs. He threw seven scoreless, but the Phillies had bullpen action in the fourth, fifth and almost sixth. Um, so he was pitching in and out of trouble and the Phillies, you know, because they had built the lead and because they're facing the Marlins, they were a little bit you know, more willing to be um, let Noel go. I think they're going to be much more conservative or aggressive in pulling him in this outing if they need to, because his numbers third time through his velocity has fallen off and the Braves have crushed low velocity fastballs. So I think if, if Nola gets in trouble in the fifth or even the sixth early, uh, he will get pulled. So I'm looking for Nola unders. I know I'm wearing an Aaron Nola jersey. I, I changed my Twitter name to Aaron Nola Enjoyer this month, but uh, I think that this is a tough matchup and and uh, he is not going to have a long leash, even if he's effective. So I would look immediately to the unders on Nola. If they're above that key 15, uh, then that's where I'm looking. So an elder too. I think Smith Shaver, I think elder will start. They may open for him, but Smith Shaver is going to be a big part in game three, I think. So uh, I think elders, elders regression is hit. His numbers are, poor and his days are limited so should be a fun game three i agree the total's a little high i mean the phillies and braves played a regular season game with pretty comparable weather it was like 65 in the summer i i went back and checked the weather and the total opened nine the phillies opened minus 110 they closed about minus 120 and the total closed eight and a half game ended uh three one in extras or something four one in extras it was zero zero going into the extra innings elder and nola both threw gems but again, that's Elder and Nola on regular season's time. This is way more bullpen usage. Uh, and so I, I do think the total is a touch high. The weather looks just about seasonable, you know, 60s, no real wind to be concerned about. So. High of 70, low of 50. Right. Sunshine in the city of brotherly love for tomorrow. Yeah, it could have a, a little bit of shadows early too with a five o'clock start. Yep. Uh, don't Good expect it to be too bad, but uh, it could be a factor as well. So I think the total is a touch high. I think uh, I'm going to be looking at pitcher outs again. And uh, looking at the unders in that game, we'll see how the market responds. I mean, if Nola's 14 and a half, then no, I can't play the under. But. Yeah. And, and, to your, and to your point, the you're right, the outs props, the strikeout props aren't available. But if you go just the head to head pitching props, Bet MGM has Nola and Elder listed. So, Debundo, uh, quickly before we go, anything on Dodgers, Diamondbacks you want to add before we go? Not really. I I don't know. 
the Diamondbacks have done all their scoring early. Yep. The bullpen for the Dodgers has held up and been very good. Dave Roberts is going to have to pull that off again. Gratterall, Kelly, uh, and Phillips threw a lot of pitches in game two. They could do it at the off day now. But, you know, I think we may have underrated this Diamondbacks pen a little bit with Ginkle and Seawald. I think that's that's been the biggest surprise to me relative to, like, what we said four days ago about this team is that uh, at least the top two guys, which with all these off days, they've been able to use them a lot. Ginkle and Seawald are very good. So that's the saving grace for Arizona. But also Mookie Betts and, and Freddie. Fott, can, can Fott get to them without? No, probably right. not. Yeah. Okay. But can Lance, I, I Lynn, think... can Lance Lynn give you five innings? I don't know. I have more faith in Lynn than Fott. I mean, I've, I've liked both guys all year, but and they've both been relatively poor. But the the thing with with the Dodgers is that their two best players, their two MVP candidates, have not hit. So, I mean, that's baseball. But, like, if Mookie Betts goes over 4 and Freddie Freeman strikes out with the bases loaded and grounds into a double play, double play. then he, they're not going to win anything. So that's just the reality. I can't believe that by Thursday, and I don't know how our shows are going to play out because of how these series go, obviously. We're here all week. Can't wait for Tanner McGrath to get on here because he told me to rip up the Arizona Diamondbacks ticket. He said punked. They're going to punk the Diamondbacks. He sure did. Interesting how that worked out for him because he's not on the schedule till Thursday. Hmm. And Charlie did too. But Charlie was not as as much conviction as Tanner. But we're all friends here. Just... All in good fun. Um, all right, gents. I think that's it. Again, you can find Zarello's write-up. Uh, he's got a full breakdown for uh, these game threes tonight. DeBundo's got a write-up as well. Uh, you can find both of their articles, actionnetwork.com, Action Network app. And if they add anything, uh, find them in the app and follow them uh, there, should they add anything for today as well as tomorrow. Speaking of which, tomorrow we will have Charlie Disturco and BJ Cunningham joining me on the podcast to get ready for... More NLDS action. Best of luck, everybody. Again, leave a five-star rating and a review for a chance to win yourself an Action Network Pro account. For Sean Zarillo and Anthony DeBundo, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for listening to Payoff Pitch Action Network's MLB betting podcast presented by BetMGM. Enjoy the games tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Look at his crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.